Hello everybody, welcome to He's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And today we're going to uh, talk about The Little Stranger, which we've just seen in the prettiest theater in England, I think. It's the prettiest one I've been to, uh, in Evesham. The Regal Cinema in Evesham. Yes. Which was lovely. We went out there, to, we made the trip out there to see it because we missed it in Birmingham. Yes. We forgot about it. And then the, one of our listeners reminded us to see it. Yes. Which was kind of her. Um, and uh, and it was the only place it was showing. Yeah. So I was and I was a lovely kind of Sunday ride there, and you know, kind of the skies was beautiful and everything. But the cinema itself is like this little Art Deco jewel, really. Uh, um, you know, green with lots of gold and all the geomet- geometric shapes and the doors and the lamps, the 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 um, staircase is beautiful. The bathrooms. Also, I mean, it really is kind of something to see. I would recommend people just, you know, go go to Evesham just to, to see this cinema. It's huh. a nice place. And um, uh, it, worth mentioning, it's it's uh, clearly a repurposed sort of um, musical theatre, really. Cause, and yeah. it's still used as such. Yes. You can tell because in, the, in the, some of the promos uh, before the film, there were, there were local promos for shows on there with yeah. live singing. Yeah. So um, it's not just cinema, and obviously, and the, the screen itself is, is it's, it's there's a slight hodgepodge element to the way the screen's been installed. Yeah. Um, which is not, I, I don't mean that to sound like that sounds like a criticism, but it's just it's a multi-purpose room. It's a, yeah. Um, but it was it was actually very blissful to see to see it. Yeah. It and was incredibly pretty. Every, every what's really nice is um, uh, all the it's got two levels, so we sat mm. on the balcony. Yes. And on the lower level, it's um, like a you know, it's a club, so it's yeah. uh, seats on round tables. Yeah, it's really yes. nice. It's like an old fashioned. It's like a Hollywood with the zeros or you know something, yeah. the Trocadero or someplace like that. It, it's really lovely. Yeah, like you feel like the screen really should have been clouded by cigar smoke. Yes, um, it would have been a perfect ideal had it <laughs> been the case. <laughs> it's really nice. Having said that, actually, I mean the film is the film has a. The Little Stranger has kind of a washed out look to it, I think, which emulates it does. that some um, I couldn't tell, actually, if that was... I can't tell how much of that was designed aesthetically and how much of that was due to using a digital projector because there were times, particularly later in the film, where there are some very visually dark scenes yes. where the blacks are really washed out in the yes. image yes. Um, and the contrast is, is very poor. And I wonder if seeing the, seeing it projected on film uh, would have made a difference. Would it, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it does typically, but I wonder if it would have in this film. I don't know how much of it was built in. Well, you can tell that the film has been like carefully um, designed, right? So there, you know, there's there's like a color scheme, and you know, there's there are some shots, for example, where you you see the Domino Gleason character through a window, and basically like his face is all washed out and. You know, so I think there's a sense in which it's purposeful. But on the other hand, you know, there were times when you thought, you know, is this the way it's meant to look? Yeah, mm. like it was it was it was too washed out. Um oh, and actually course. I felt that was kind of a little bit of the problem with the film as well, you know. Uh, it's directed by Lenny Abramson. Lenny Abramson, who um he's an, he's an Irish film director and this this film is um made with Irish money. Right. At least in part. The Irish film board, I think. Right. Um uh, though it's set in Warwickshire yes. in 1948, um, which was, it was a pleasure to hear 
a couple of very broad sort of Brummy accents mm. in the mix, which is nice. Yeah. But a lot of it is that very clipped sort of upper middle class uh, English that you yes. know, that, that, that uh, is a staple of sort of um, Merchant Ivory and that type of thing. It's like you know the most English film I've seen this year. Everyone is like repressed, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's obsessed with class, and everybody wants to live in you know the big house. <laughs> uh, well, Lenny Abramson directed uh, his last two films were Room yes. from 2015, for which uh, Brie Larson, Brie Larson won the Oscar, yes, um, and Frank in 2014 with Michael Fassbender. Is yes. a story of Frank Sidebottom. Um, both of which films I had problems with, and I'm not, I'm not really keen on Lenny Edmondson as a director, I think. Yes. But I think the, the films had their pleasures as well. Um, but actually, I came out of both of those films feeling they could have been better directors somehow, and this, I feel, is a lot better in that respect. I, I think there's Did a, you? Because I thought... I don't think it's brilliantly directed, but it has a, it, it has a tone, it has a consistency of tone... But it has too much of a consistency of tone. I mean, okay, the reason why I'm frustrated with the film is because, to me, I'm not clear on, you know, I'm not clear on what on what happened. happened. Well, I think there's ambiguity sort of designed into the story. It's not just... I, I think it's a problem, actually, that I'm one of the other patrons in the cinema was saying this on, the, on his way out, that... Um, there's a lot of mumbling. It was very hard to hear what the characters were saying. I couldn't decipher. I mean, all of the opening dialogue, I couldn't decipher any of it. Mm. And, you know, particularly the young maid, right? Like, I just yeah. could not understand what they were saying. There were points where it, clearly the dialogue is important and and you just miss it. Yeah. Um, and you don't get a chance to go back because it's a film and you can't rewind it. Yes. And, um that it, yeah, I mean, I I wasn't the only one to think that, clearly. No, um, I, I thought the same. I mean, I think this film, to me, it has so many problems. Uh, I mean, um, Doug Poulter, is that his name? Will Poulter. Will Poulter. I, I think he's terrible. I yeah. think... Uh, and we loved him in Detroit. I love him as an actor, actually. Um, but this one, it seems like he's horribly miscast. The makeup is obtrusive. Uh, it's like his performance doesn't exceed the makeup in a way, and it's almost like the makeup, you know, encases him in. So you know, I think that character is wasted. I also think that um, uh, Gleason is too much of a one-note performance. It's all kind of restrained, closed in. You know, and, and actually, initially, it has a certain mystery, right? Mm. But then there's no variation in the rest of the performance, which bothered me. So I think Ruth Wilson is fantastic. Charlotte Rampling is, you know, um, a cinema magic. Like, she's just got such presence that every time she appears, there seems to be something else going on, which is really interesting, right? And mm. she brings a kind of mystery as well. But, you know, in a film that keeps returning to the same moments. So kind of, you know, let's just say what it is. The story is about, you know, a young kid who in, you know... Uh, uh, 1919. In, yeah, in 1919, goes to visit this grand house with his mother, who used to be a maid at this house, um, and sneaks into the house uh, and is overwhelmed by how grand and beautiful it is 
and he steals an acorn off of a, of, of a painting. He, he breaks it off the picture frame. That's right. Anyway, and so then the film begins when he's now been, you know, in the service. He's been a doctor in various places, and he's returned home. Uh, and he's now a doctor, right? And uh, the original return to this grand house is so that he can treat uh, the eldest son. No, no, it's so he can treat the maid. Oh, the maid, right that's the right. Start. And, uh, but he, he obviously, he meets the eldest son there, Will Poulter's character, who is horribly disfigured. Yes. Uh, and he's got all his burns all over his face and, and his leg, and he limps awfully. Yes. His legs sort of turned in. So the yeah. film structure, you know, constantly returns us to this moment of the child in the house. You know, sometimes it does so through, you know, him glimpsing himself as a little shadow in a picture, as a bit of a shoulder on a picture. But actually, there's all these flashbacks to the kid in the house, right? Mm. So, um, and then as the film unfolds, you begin to sense the importance of that. And also you begin to sense, you know, that the the doctor's machinations in coming into possession of the house, really. Yeah, a little bit, and um, and it's it's also important to say that it's a horror film, in 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 a form. It's yes. um, it's it's kind of a gothicy, uh, very repressed English yes. horror for the sophisticates. But, but um, you know, it's 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 got like um, it's got like a kind of hereditary feel in a way. Like, I mean, it doesn't go as nuts as hereditary, but um, but well, it has that kind of growing sense of unease as to something something going on. Yes. Um, okay, so can we now move on to spoilers? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's say that's the end okay. of non-spoiler territory. Because I thought as horror, it didn't work. Like, I wasn't scared at all at any time. In terms of a supernatural thriller, you never got a sense of, you know, the possibility of otherworldliness, really. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't. Right. And in terms of a whodunit, you're, it's not rendered clearly clear either, Right. So kind of those are the kind of three, you know, genres that intermesh in this. And I found each of those uh, uh, iterations or the way that the film performs each of those things very unsatisfactory. Um, I never expected a resolution to the mystery of exactly what was going on and what was caught and whether it was whether these were kind of shared hallucinations or whether something is actually happening in this house. I never expected a resolution to that. And I'm glad that there wasn't one. Um, oh, but you see, I thought that there was one. Go on. I thought the doctor did it. I thought, um, the, the, you know, uh, uh, I'm not too clear on the sister that died, right? Yeah, the young girl does right. She dies before even yeah, the film but, starts. But I don't think we're told how she died. No, I don't recall. Well, yeah. Maybe it was mumbled. But she died shortly after his visit yeah. as a child. But then, um, you know, he packs off the brother to a sanitarium, right? So he's treating the brother, Mm. you know, and the brother kind of ends up uh, uh, in a sanitarium. Uh, Then the thing with the mother, you know, he was there. And then the thing about the the Ruth Wilson character being pushed down the stairs, you know, then you have a flashback to him as a child going into exactly the same spot. And then he ends up in possession of the house. So, to me, the clear implication is that he's done it all. Right. Did he end up in possession of the house? They didn't yes. get married in the end. No, they don't get married. But, you know, he's walking through the house and he's fixing things in it at the oh, end. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, so, I mean, you okay, know. Okay. No, that's fair enough. I, I guess I didn't put that together. 
Um, um, but um, maybe I'm wrong. No, no. Well, but, I mean, I, I think that's fair enough. But um, I just I wasn't adding things up possibly. Well, um, maybe, that, no, maybe. But that's a, that's a consistent reading with what you've shown. Uh. Put it that way. You know. Um, so that's fair enough. Um, but um, I'm not sure that it's that it's out to scare in in that way. It's it's not that kind of horror. No, it's not. Um, it does have a couple of like it, uh, there are there are a couple of um, uh, sort of staples in that you've got that door slamming without anyone touching it and and kind of an overwhelming uh, uh, sensory overload when Charlotte Rampling's locked in the room and um, you got all the bells going off at once that sort of thing so it has a couple of bits but they they sh- they're, they're not kind of throughout the film there's like there's a period in the film where that kind of happens yes um, uh, and. But it's really, it's really about the psychological effect. And what I think the film gets right is, and, and, it, and again, to compare it to Hereditary, in a way that Hereditary really didn't, it's the idea of the themes of the film kind of speaking through the horror in a way. And I don't think, it, I don't think it's the case that like, they speak kind of directly, but this, ultimately, ultimately, this is a really English story, and all English stories at, at their core are about class. Yes. And this is like undeniably completely about class. Yes. And... and Social climbing, and and kind of kind of hatred of the people who you aspire to be, but kind of because you can't be them, or or because you hate that they have it and you don't. And that's totally what Donald Gleason's character is all about. He he came from he came from absolutely nowhere. His 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 mum was a maid. Yeah. He's made it to to the town doctor. He's made it to middle class. You know, so exactly, and he and he plays the part right. You know, he doesn't speak like a yokel. He doesn't speak mm. like <clears throat> like a kid whose mum was a maid. He speaks in that snippy, you know, kind of short, cut off, middle class way. Well, actually, he's got a line that I've I've heard uh, uh, that friends of mine have echoed, which is you know that that kind of class mobility through education. One of the effects is that it makes you be embarrassed by and hate your own parents. There's a line, mm. uh, you know, that uh, Gleason's character says that's too, I mean, I'm I sure don't... I'm not quoting it properly. I don't remember it. But, but it's yeah. to that effect, yes. Well, it's, it's interesting to me there's a line, because the, the film is set around the time that the NHS was um, was was being developed uh, and uh, about to be introduced, and he's talking to another doctor, a friend of his, um, and Gleason says something along the lines of, you know, I'm not sure about the NHS, this NHS thing. People want to look up to their doctors. You know, it basically means I want people to look up to me. Yeah. You know, because the other doctor then kind of pushes back and says, nonsense, people just want a doctor who does the job. Yes. That sort of thing. So he's very proud of himself. Yes. And he does seem to have these, these as you say, kind of machinations on this house. Yes. Um, that, he's, that he was absolutely spellbound with as a child. And it's not an accident that we keep coming back to that when he was about eight years old. Mm. Um. But then, then it also there's the there's the the horror element is this kind of psychological terrorization of of the family, and and it comes through this this little girl who was also at this uh, I think it was Empire Day celebration mm. in 1919, um, who it's funny you see her in photographs, but in the flashback you never see her face on. She's always obstructed by something. She's yeah. always you know, it's behind someone's shoulder or just turned around or whatever. Um, oh no! You, excuse me. Apart from when you, apart from when you eventually see her in the house, once he, you, you finally it like there's a, there's a kind of elliptical 
element to the flashbacks. Um, I mean, you can tell what's going on, but it shows you different bits at different times. Mm. And when you finally get to the point where you see the um, eight-year-old Donald Gleeson break the acorn off the picture frame, the girl's right there and she watches him do it. And that's when he gets slapped in the face by his mum. <laughs> and she questions him. Yeah. She says something like, who are you? What are you doing here? Or something. So. Right, so yeah. he's conscious of her having caught him. Yeah, you know, and I'm, that's not when sure, the... I'm not sure she does say anything. I think I... it might be someone else when she comes in. No, I think the mum comes in and says, "What the hell are you doing here?" But the, I don't think the girl says anything. But she does look at him, and then she looks back. Okay, I could be misremembering that, yeah. but you know, there's definitely they definitely have a communication, and then it's almost like the mother grabs him, and so that she he 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 goes out of frame because basically there's a point of view that's kind of dictated by the banisters around the staircase, yeah? Yeah. So she moves him out of her point of view. Um, but I don't know. To me, you see, there's a whole nasty reading of this because I, I, I think the film seems to me to be really anti-working class. Okay. You know, so the sympathy is all with this grand family who, for whatever reasons, and, you know, inheritance tax, the conservative inheritance tax which was at 75% is blamed for it. So basically, you know, it's socialism that's uh, to blame for this lovely grand family to have lost their fortune and for the house to be in a dilapidated state, you know, and so on. Um, you know, and they're shown to be like kind of lovable, eccentric, you know, upper class people. And of course, the nasty villain is the working class guy who wants, you know, who's now middle class mm. and, you know, who, yeah, Aspires. wants to take it away from them. <laughs> so I kind of, anyway, that's, that's a reading, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that seems to me like pretty hateful, really. Hmm. You're quiet. What are you thinking? No, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're, you're, I'm not trying to disagree with you or anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like looking for ways to go, oh, I'm wrong about this somehow. I must no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not I'm, even I'm, suggesting that you would. I'm just no, wondering, you know, what you're thinking, just, what you think. Well, I just hadn't really thought about it that way. I, I had thought about it in, in terms of class, and I, I, I thought about it in terms of this this guy's really peculiar kind of self self-loathing. Like, you know, as we've already said, the idea that you... You both want what they have and hate who you are. Hate who you are and hate and hate who hate the fact that you want it in a way. Mm. You know, um, like it's you know because clearly he's not happy with himself. Otherwise, um, he wouldn't be so keen to to get into the place. Mm. Um, and there's that that horrible first dinner where he's invited. You know, and it has to be like reiterated like many, many times that he's there as a guest, you know, not just as, you know, the servant physician, you know, doing his duty, yeah. right? And he says as much in the narration as well. He yes. says, I was there to make up the numbers. Yes. You know, he's telling you his story. Yes. His version of events. Yes. That's interesting as well, actually. So, so let's backtrack a bit because I'd forgotten that, you know, he is the narrator, isn't he? Mm. You know, so... Yeah. Um, you are seeing everything from his point of view. And you also know at the end that he lies because, you know, when there's an inquest about, is it Caroline's, Caroline, Caroline's yeah. death? You know, 
the maid says, oh, she was very happy. She was obviously delighted. She'd made a decision. She was going to sell off, go to America. But he says, no, no, no. You know, it was suicide. Well, clearly, you know it wasn't suicide. Mm. Right. So, um, yeah, kind of, I, I think um, all of that was interesting, really. Uh, to me and it kind of supports my you know my argument really it is kind of it is the you know you could argue that it's the revenge of the working class on you know the local ruling family but on the other hand you could also argue that it's the working class that's kind of blamed for the destruction of the local family yeah mm. of this very nice group of people <laughs> yeah oh and ultimately you're right then that the sympathy lies with them um but then, on the other hand, it's not clear until really towards the end that um, that Donald Grayson's character is the villain um, that you think he is. I mean, I saw uh, it coming. Okay. Um, um, and you know, it, I think for me, it was only once he kind of coerced Caroline into getting engaged to him. Yes. Um, that I started to to think that. Yes. Um, until then, he kind of he was a friend of the family, and actually, I felt. The moment in the car, although it kind of turns bad, was initially romantic, I thought. Well, yeah. I thought so too. I mean, you know, so, but but my thing is also, because, you know, I was thinking this is also a kind of whodunit. Because halfway through the film, you know, you get the sense it's not a supernatural thrill, thriller, right? There's not going to be a monster or a ghost or, mm. you know, the house is not going to come alive, <laughs> you know. So, so then I begin to think, well, it has to be a whodunit, really. Right. Mm -hmm. And then kind of once I began to think of, you know, in that sense, then he, he was the only, you know, yeah. possibility, really. Um, so, yes, but there were moments where. And actually, that that, that was interesting, because on the one hand, he's such a recessive figure. He's so closed in. You know, you do get the sense of a period and a time you know, where every word spoken is a measured word because it can have so many consequences, right? So, you know, that aspect of being, like, completely closed in, uh, um, you know, I think, I, think, I think that's very good. Um, but, but then it has to change, you know, later on. And so it's in that sense that I find his performance kind of a bit unsatisfactory because, you know... Uh, um, yeah, once it's clear that he is coercing her into marriage, my God, you know, he buys her, her her wedding dress and headgear and has her measured all without her knowing, right? Like, yeah. I don't uh, think his performance doesn't change. I think that's being a little bit unfair. And I think it may be the case that you having kind of seen it coming earlier, mm. we're more prepared for that. Whereas what I saw was his performance being slightly modulated. He does get snippier. He does get... Um, he's slightly quicker to, to sort of anger or... Um, kind of demand that people shut up and listen to him a little bit. He gets a little bit less friendly, and I think it's the. But he doesn't change very much. But it's the context within which his character is operating that changes, and that well, that affects the way he behaves within it. No, I, I, I mean, I would, I suppose, I would largely agree with you. You know, so the, you know, the performance does change and so on, uh, but in a very minor key. My feeling is that it should have changed in a larger key. That's fair enough. You know, um, so. Uh, um, but like I said, I think it was the it was the changing the changing circumstances and the changing um, kind of idea of of who he was and the idea that he might not be such a good person underneath it. Then, 
you know, that was the context within which I kind of felt him change, mm. if you see what I mean. Yes. Um, as opposed to it being just a straight up kind of, kind of shift in performance style. Yes. Um, I can see what you mean though, but it's like, it, I, I don't really, I, I didn't have a problem with the performance. I must say, I thought he was pretty good. Um, I, yeah. There is something, there, there is something, I don't know, magnetic or entrancing about the performance that, you know, about the closed in and so on. So, you know, I don't want to just, I don't want to diss it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, it, it is, it is compelling in some way. Um, but, I, but I do think to keep everything on such a minor register sure. is to me a mistake. Um, Fair enough. But then as we were saying in the car, it's it's um it's a room with a view with a pond and a lake. <laughs> the the are thing of how all, all English films are just people walking into rooms and going oh oh what is it oh it's a lot like that. I mean it's co- there's there is no apart from maybe the bit where Charlotte Rampling goes mental in the room. Yeah. Um, there's really no kind of higher register to it. Um, and actually, I'm said that I mean as 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 kind of interesting as your reading of it as having been down to Donald Gleason's characters kind of behind everything. Um, you know, that doesn't explain really what happens in that room, you know? Well, I mean, part of my dissatisfaction with the film is, and you know, I'm not, I'm not absolutely certain about any of this, no, no. right? So it's just, it's just an argument. But, um, the part of my dissatisfaction for the film is that, you know, the film is a whodunit, Part of the payoff is that you always show the audience how it happened, right? Mm. Whereas here, you know, all, all that you see is the door being shut, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being shaken, right? And then she's pushing out and then somebody pushes in, right? And then it cuts and she's lying in bed with her veins cut open. But there's also, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of noise going on in the soundtrack. Yeah. You know, and, and the question is, you know... It, it, what's happening is it in her head is it just the soundtrack kind of emphasizing the feeling or whatever yeah. um but also you um you get a shot from the other side of the door and there's nobody there oh. um you know so um which is not to say that like it must be a ghost or you know because it's because it's, it's, it a it could be the film lying to you if it's donald gleason's story yeah. And he's the one telling it. Then he he's allowed to leave out whatever he likes or change whatever he likes. Yes. You know, maybe maybe it's not just the narration that's unreliable. Maybe it's the the whole storytelling of the whole film yeah. that's un, that's unreliable. Um, but also, you know, the, the, I guess I didn't discount the idea that like it could be supernatural in a really low key way. Um, that like, as I say, with, with that kind of um, with, with that feeling of. of there's 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 something under here that's bubbling, and making everyone uneasy and preying on the women in the family in a weird way as well. Yes. Well, um, you see, the reason why I think he did it is, in a way, he knows the house like even the inhabitants don't, right? Because that moment where you see him going in, the house is barred as a child, right? Mm-hmm. But then he enters through the kitchens, and then you see him going through the back corridors, right, that take him right yeah. right to the house. So he's familiar with all these servants' paths th- through the house, right? And then just, just that shot, the, the final shot, with him as a child looking over the same banister that Carolyn has been thrown out of, mm. right? It, to me, it just kind of makes that connection. Yeah. And then, you know, and then back to him 
kind of, you know, walking through the house that he's now fixing up, which to me implies, yeah, mm. that, that he's yeah, bought yeah. it, right? Um, so... That's fair enough. But, it, but it's very unsatisfactory because, you know, the reason why I keep saying it's a theory, it's an idea, or it's my take or interpretation is because actually I'm not sure, you know, and yeah. actually if it is a whodunit, then I would, you know, we deserve to know how, yeah. right? And if it's a ghost story, kind of, it's not really, you never see any anything. Um, and if it's a horror story, it should be more scary, you know. So, I, on all, the, you know, on all those three grounds, I find it very unsatisfactory. Now, if it's, you know, a symbolic kind of psychological thriller where things are meant to stand in for something else, you know, and in a way that, you know, maybe I'm not getting, um, you know, I'm open to that. Again, I was thinking about these, I was thinking about the sim symbolism of the acorn, and what that might mean. I don't think it's an accident, you know, it's an acorn. It's like this, uh, acorns, they grow into yes. huge, sturdy oak trees. That's right. Like, is that what's happened to his character in some way? Like the acorn of him as the eight-year-old has sprouted and become, but then I'm like, ooh, well, that's meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Caroline says that they all used to steal those acorns. But, you know, kind of maybe the acorn could stand in for the family that he's ripped, right? Because, you know, I mean, the whole idea behind these houses is, you know, they're the family seat for like, two, you know, 200 years or 600 years or whatever, mm. right? And then, like, you know, the, the, the family's destroyed and the, and, and, and the house changes ownership, right? Mm. You know, so... That's I, like the start of his corrupting influence on it. Could be. Mm. I mean, I think the film... Yeah. has to be saying something by the constant return to that moment, right? Yeah. You know, so... And basically what happens is at the beginning of the film, the family's in quite bad shape. And actually, I thought that were, those were some of the better aspects of the film. You know, you get a feeling of the sense of damp and kind of, mm. yeah, uh, poverty inside this grand house, really. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, the family's in bad shape, but, you know, you also see... Uh, Sev vases and grand furniture and, you know, they own extensive, extensive grounds, right? So, you know, it's kind of a relative poverty in a way, right? You know, so the family's still there, but by the end of it, they're all gone. So actually, it's the ultimate destruction of the family, right? So, you know, this ripping of the acorn, this removing of, you know, kind of the seed, I think is there, and particularly there's also that moment, which is a, a moment of transformation, where, um, so so the the brother was burned in um, battle, and he's completely scarred from like head to toe. The the Polter character, mm. right? And there's that moment where he's he can't face going down for dinner, right? Mm. And he goes to talk to him, and he goes to talk to, and the tone changes there. So he's. He's talking to him almost the way that, like, a superior officer would command a soldier. Yeah, pull yourself right? together. Yeah, you know, so, um, yeah. Mm. Um, so he gets him out of the picture. He, 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 he removes power of attorney from him to the sister, right? The, yeah, mm. so, uh, um, so, so that he no longer has decision-making powers over the estate. I mean... Yeah, but I mean, as I said, there's also... Um, he can't be in control of everything. He's not in control, for instance, of the dog that mauls the girl. No, he's you not. Know, that's something that happens, and that's... 
Um, but you see that you're you're told that it's the dog who did it, right? Well, you, well, you see it happen. Okay, you see it. So that's even more my case because that's kind of explained, right? Mm. You know, everything else is alluded to rather than explained. Um, yeah. Um, what about this? This. The, um, the film is is really kind of woman heavy in a way, and there's and there's something going on that the people who all Will Poulter's character has already been um, uh, injured and, and disfigured. The people in the film who are disfigured or who die are women. There's there's the little girl. Um, is it Susie? Susan. Yes. Um, who's the, who's the little girl from the from nineteen nineteen who uh, died shortly after that party. It was, it was said to be the last day she was happy or something. Mm. Um, and then um, and then it's this little girl uh, whose parents bring her to that dinner, uh, who's more by the dog, but she lives. Um, and then it's uh, Charlotte Rampling who uh, commits suicide, uh, or, or maybe she's killed. Um, uh, or and, is driven to suicide. Yeah. And... Um, and then it's Caroline, um, and I get, yeah, and, and it's, it, <sighs> I don't think it's a misogynist film, but I think in a way it's about misogyny. There's a, I mean, there there is misogyny, kind of there's, there's casual misogyny, particularly with um, like for instance at the at the party scene with the. Uh, his the other doctor who works in the big fat bloke who's you know says a couple of pretty derogatory things about women. It's always you know it's always it's always women that happen that this ha- happens to and um, and he says some derogatory things about Caroline, which uh, clearly Donald Gleason is not thrilled with him saying that. But on the other hand, um, the film kind of to me suggests that Caroline is like a lesbian. The the one moment that she comes alive in the film. Is when she's dancing with the other girl, the other girl mm. you know, um, and and you can really see her like let loose and be alive and lively and, and laughing and having fun in a way that never happens in the rest of the film. There's a feeling of her being trapped, yes, in a way, um, like you know, like um, like she's 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 sort of she's bright and she's and capable and can do and. And always talked down to yes. by men, really, yes. and, and 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 controlled, um, or or people attempt to control her at least. And but there is a feeling of her being trapped, like you know, like like the house is a sort of really twisted fairy tale castle. Mm. Well, not twisted, I suppose. That's what fairy tale castles were. They were places to trap women. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rapunzel, Rapunzel, then, let down your hair. But then, but then I suppose the. the, the the twisted part is is Donald Gleason's character. It's like he's not the sort of knight in shining armor. He's there to try and take over the castle mm. and keep her there, because um, it's her desire to to get out that he can't abide. You know, you know what I hate about this film? Yeah. Most of all, is that it it makes me feel that I have to go read Sarah Walters' novel in order to really find out what happened. Mm. You know, and to me, that's a failure of an adaptation. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's that's true. Um, so waters. Yeah, so you know, whatever good elements, you know, and I think the film is very successful at creating a kind of ambiance and a kind of a mood and a kind of a recessive, closed-in kind of feel mm. and all of that. 
you know, which I think it, it does do, it is successful at doing, but kind of ultimately it's just a failure because, you know, in a way, kind of, we just don't know what happens. And actually, you know, we're trying to think, oh, is it this type of film? Is it, you know, we've just seen the film and we're still not clear on what type of film it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I maybe have a slightly clearer idea of what it was going for than you do. I think you maybe, I, I think um, what you're saying about it being a failure as a horror or a failure as a whodunit mm. is... It's basically to say that the film was going for that and didn't make it. And I'm not sure that it was. But then maybe it's a failure that it didn't even try to, to do those as much, you know. Well, well, you know, kind of structurally, like when it, when it got to the inquest at the end, mm. right, I think, you know, this is exactly the kind of scene that you would expect that a whodunit, right? It even has, like, you know, an inquest scene with a judge, right? Like, you know, trying to establish who did what. And so, and the only person, you know, or the people who really don't know is the audience. But those scenes are always awful in those films. I, mean, I love them. I will never accept that, that the end of Psycho is satisfying. That when you have 20 minutes of the guy explaining that this is what happened. Well, you know, I, find, I, I like them and I like it in all ranges. I even like, you know, in Murder, She Wrote when they tell you what happened. <laughs> right. So it's fair enough. This is not that kind of film. But in that case, why not go all out and kind of do the, you know, whatever other kind of film you were trying to make? Because mm. it seems to me that this is a hodgepodge of elements, you know, that has settled on some kind of symbolic, elusive uh, um, register, right? But kind of without 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 working them th without working those patternings of illusion through. So that you know the the audience can latch onto them and make something else with the film. Mm. Um, I don't really have any, much more to add other than. Um, yes. Well, do you recommend? Uh, not really. No. No. I, I was engrossed. Um, I, I'll give. I, I've got to give it that. Like I, um, you know, uh, to go back to the being the directors, Lenny Abramson, in Room, and in Frank, they were. Long stretches of those films where I wasn't very interested at all. Um, in Frank, it was all over the place. I felt, I felt, um, and in Room, it was like everything was in the room. Yes, was great. And then once she got out, um, yes. spoilers. Um, I I felt the film kind of fell apart uh, for me. But um, and this film doesn't doesn't inspire me to think that that he he's got any better. <laughs> Well, I it does I, have, it does, like it does have its tone, and I appreciate that. And I think I think it it's got good performances, and it has a sense of of style and period and and kind of era and class. Yes, that I think are strong. Yes, I agree. Um, and I think on top of that, I think the, although we, we maybe think it was visually kind of uh, kind of kind of I don't know what the word is, like blurry or faded or whatever. Not blurry, but you know. Sort of, there was a weakness visually, but this, but the 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 kind of production design I thought was fantastic. Yes. Um. Apart from the one, the one set that stands in for the center of the town, which is just like it looks coming come straight out of Coronation Street, it looked really cheap. That. But yeah. but everything else, everything around the house, I thought was fantastic looking. Um. I mean, I, I, I was quite engrossed until about halfway through, you know, and then actually, you know, towards the end, I kept wanting it to finish. Yeah. Yeah, I thought kind of, you know. Yeah. Like I've I've given you your shot. <laughs> okay.
Uh, one thing I would say is that I'm glad that it's a film, uh, and this is, uh, yeah, spoilers by the way, glad that this is a film that finally killed the dog. See, so oh, many yes. films, <laughs> so many films that just, I, I think uh, what it is is right, because is, is this a 15? I think it might be 15, right? I'm not sure. Maybe it's a 12. No, it's a 12, eh? But they kill the dog. Yes. So, <laughs> well, because no, it's, it's, this is what's happened in, in, in the Meg and in Venom that we just saw. You know, if you. If you want your film to go for 12A, then you show the dog and you put it in peril and then you let it live. <laughs> but in this film, but dog, not here. Put it down, man. <laughs> you know? Put it down gently, though. Put it down gently. But also, for, for doing something that really wasn't its own fault. Yes. You know, that girl's winding up that dog. I mean, I thought, again, the black dog was kind of symbolism. I thought, I mean, I thought that was pretty straight up, sort of, the, um, uh, it's symbolism of, of um, Will Poulter's depression. Yes. You know, that's what a black dog is, isn't it? Depression. Yes, except that the black dog is associated with Carolyn, not with Will Poulter. Well, that's only because he didn't come out of his room. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's All so right. depressed. <laughs> I think this is... Uh, yeah. We're now wrapping it up. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it either. But I'd be keen to see what other people think, because a couple of people have mentioned this to us. So yes. This wasn't. This isn't just, uh, you know, we, we're going to see whatever's on the cinema. Like, we, we, we paid made attention, an effort. <laughs> we paid attention to this, because a couple of people have have picked it out yes. and said, uh, you know, I wonder what, what you think. And well, that's what we think. Yes. But um, I'm keen to sort of uh, hear, you know, their comments because um, whether they were disappointed in it or saw something in it that we didn't. Also, or... yeah, it's a kind of a genuinely puzzling film, you know, so, um, and, and I suppose what we've done is kind of offered some interpretations, but really we're not set on them. I mean, I, you know, it's still kind of, as I said, I feel almost like I have to go and read the, the novel to really find out kind of what happened. So we would really welcome your um, feedback and your views on it. Uh, so, you know, perhaps the best thing today was not just uh, that the cinema was so pretty and, and gorgeous <laughs> to be in. You know, maybe we just kind of missed some major aspects of the film. Uh, and, and if we Like did, the dialogue. Yes, and 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 if we did, then do feel free to 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 let us know. We'd appreciate it. In fact, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're on. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Over on YouTube as well. Keep forgetting that one. Yes, great. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>